Hello and welcome to the first episode of Book Talk. I am your host Maddie Eddy and today I am chatting with Gentry Flint about her debut novel, Games in a Ballroom. Alright Gentry, for our listeners here, do you want to give us a fun fact about yourself so we can get to know you a little bit? Oh, okay. T-shirt collection. <laughs> no, other than my t-shirt collection. <laughs> well, this was a fun fact about me. I was switched at birth. True story. Ooh, do tell. But the well, the twist is, I never left the hospital. So me and this other girl were being bathed by these two nurses at the same time, and they put us back in the wrong bassinets. Oh, no. So for a day, we both went to separate the other family, which also happened to be the day where they take pictures. Oh. <laughs> my baby pictures with my grandparents are are the other baby. Um, and, but at the end of the day, my mother told me that she asked the nurse if she had changed the bow in my hair, and the nurse said no. And then my mother said, well, her, the swelling on her nose has gone down too. And then she was like, the nurse was like, oh, okay. And then so she unwrapped the other baby and noticed the wristband was not her baby. And so she told the nurse and the nurses switched us back. Oh my gosh. I'm glad your mom noticed. <laughs> That's so funny that she was like, this baby looks different. But if you say this is my baby, then I guess this is mine. <laughs> right. <laughs> So yeah, my my claim to fame is that I was switched at birth, even though I never left the hospital. <laughs> Sometimes I like to tell my brothers that I think I was switched back to the wrong family. <laughs> they really took me. <laughs> I have four brothers and no sisters. So sometimes, you know, I just like to get at them a little bit. Right? Oh <laughs> my gosh. That is so, that's such a weird story. Right? It's that you like were actually given to the wrong family mm-hmm. that's funny your mom kept the pictures of the wrong baby with your grandparents yep <laughs> they didn't want to I guess they didn't want to come back and take pictures again <laughs> they're like she's in a swaddle who cares <laughs> this isn't gentry this is some other baby but you know <laughs> grandma and grandpa came yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> love it that is that is a good fun fact i like it <laughs> i don't know if we're gonna be able to top that with anyone. i like to start with that one because you know I, I i just don't want people to beat me you know <laughs> right and i've been following you for a while and i've never seen that story so you know learning new things every day right <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're going to chat about your debut novel, right? Games in a Ballroom came out about a year ago. Mm-hmm. All right, so do you want to give us a little brief synopsis on your book here? All right, so how I pitch it is as it's Pride and Prejudice, so I'm like Mr. Darcy, but this is a group of friends while in London during the season and they play a game of tag like tag your it but the guy who suggested the game might have done it so he can get closer to the girl without her really knowing because her dad wants her to marry somebody else 
but the guy is determined to try for her anyways. Yes. And it's as amazing as it sounds. It is a legit game of tag. You just putting that out there for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I have read quite a few Regency novel era novels. Um, and I've never, this is a whole different realm than I've ever seen, which I love, which makes me, brings me, I guess, to the question, how did you get your idea? Where did your idea come from for the tag or to have it set in Regency era? Well, um, A, I'm a very big Colin Firth Pride and Prejudice fan. So, yeah. of course, I just love the Regency <laughs> era from that. And then B, <laughs> I saw this move, new, or at the time, new movie that came out called Tag. And I was curious about it. And I found out it's actually uh, based off of a true story. And when I did my nerdy research about the true story, which is very different <laughs> from the Hollywood version, I just knew I had to combine the two. and. I totally suggest people looking up at the true story behind tag because that group of friends is like hashtag goals. <laughs> like it's, they're awesome. And so I just had to do that on my own little twist. Awesome. I love it. I've never heard of the, the movie. So I, I will look it up. I, I love the I will give a disclaimer. Tag. It is rated R, but if you mm-hmm. get the edited version, it's better. <laughs> But we can still look up the backstory, right? You can look up the yeah. If you look up the true story behind the true friends and not the Hollywood version, it's it's good. Okay, so that's our deep dive. Everybody you got your homework. You got your homework. <laughs> okay, <clears throat> so we're gonna start by introducing kind of our brotherhood of gentlemen here in our book. So we have Emerson, who's our main man, Emerson Latham. Mm-hmm. And then his two best friends, Northcott and Bradbury. Okay. Yep. So these are, this is our friendship goal group here. Yep. Totally. <laughs> I want them as friends. Right? <laughs> I just, I need them in my life. <laughs> right? They're so much fun. <laughs> <laughs> they are. And they're all so different, like background wise and life experience wise, I guess. And like personalities. I just, like they shouldn't fit, but they right like all together. Okay, so let's introduce our friends here. Okay, so what can you tell us about Northcott? <laughs> Northcott. Without spoiling anything, <laughs> yeah. without spoiling anything, because his book is next. Yeah. Um, he is known as the Brooding Baron because he's just kind of got this brooding face, and he's just very quiet. He only talks when he thinks it's necessary. Um, Bradbury likes to tease him and call him Beastie because yes. he's just very serious all the time. And that's all I can say without spoiling things. <laughs> right? You're gonna you're gonna want to see his backstory though. It's- yes, most definitely. There's one line in there that it's like. <gasps> I'm so excited. I'm so excited for his book. (laughs) All right. And then Bradbury is like a complete 180. So what can you tell us about Bradbury? 
Uh, Bradbury is the goof. He is the total clown in the friendship. And he loves to not take anything seriously. Like if the only thing he takes seriously is his friendship. Everything else is life's too short not to have fun. So he he's definitely the the comedic relief in tense situations. Right. Okay. And I can't remember off the top of my head. Is Bradbury a firstborn? Does he have a title to inherit? Or no? No. Bradbury is just a Mr. Bradbury. Okay. That's what I thought. And I was like, I just can't remember this off the top of my head. Yep. Uh, Northcott is the only one with a title. And he's a, just a lowly baron. Right. That poor man. How dare he just be a baron? <laughs> right. Poor guy. Low, low, low totem pole in the aristocracy. <laughs> Life's hard. <laughs> okay. So I feel like you kind of need to know those characters to talk about the pig. Right? Oh, yeah. It helps well, a little bit. <laughs> you're going to have to cover Emerson, too, who's the hero in this book. Oh, yes. Okay. Let's talk about Emerson. Emerson is, he's kind of the guy who just gets along with everybody. Like he can fit in with any personality type. He's just the good guy all around. Other than he has a bit of a temper when he's crossed. Like when he feels like he's being protective, he kind of has a little bit of a hot temper. But that's okay because nobody's perfect, right? Right. And Emerson's one of those characters that like, I really doubted him at the beginning of the book. I'm not going to lie. He's like, uh, you know, kind of gives you that, like, arrogant, pompous, like, uh-huh. yep, almost that, like, I'm a titled lord type person. It's like, you don't even have a freaking title. Like, what are you so up about? Like, <laughs> He takes but- himself way too seriously in the beginning, but he has a reason for it. But yes, yeah. I totally, you, that was, that was what I was going for. Yes. So, I mean, I love him. I love him now. It took me a couple of chapters. <laughs> I was like, you know, Gentry, I'm just not sure about this guy. Like, I think we might need to go with Bradbury here, but I'm going to trust you. <laughs> it's funny because I either have people who are like, I love Northcott or I love Bradbury. And like, they can't stand the other. So it's really funny to see which way people go. I love all of them, but mm-hmm. I just, I was not sure about Emerson at first. Like, I just was like, oh, you know. Yeah, he had a good lesson to learn. He did. He did, and he learned it well. He learned it through a pig prank. <laughs> right? <laughs> All right, let's talk about this beautiful pig prank. So for those of you that may not have read the book, that's this is not going to spoil anything. Um, But before I read this book, so I bought it. About when it came out, and then it sat on my bookshelf for like a year. I apologize. <laughs> That's okay. Um, <laughs> I do the same thing. <laughs> right? Because it's like, I need this book. And then it's it's like, welcome to the party. You're going to be here for a while. Yeah. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> um, but on Instagram or Facebook, anywhere you talk about books, there, whenever Games in a Ballroom is mentioned, there's always a pig emoji. This is the world's <laughs> best kept secret. I'm not going to lie. It's like the pig or like the pig prank and nothing else is ever said. It is like, 
I was talking to my brother-in-law about it. And he's like, what are you reading? He's like, this book. And there's a pig prank. He's like, what? I was like, I haven't gotten to it yet, so I can't tell you anything. So he <laughs> bugged me for days. He's like, have you found out what the pig prank is? Like, <laughs> he was as intrigued as I was. And all he knew was that there was a pig prank in it. <laughs> so, you know. <clears throat> then he got the full the full story one day and it was fantastic <laughs> <laughs> right he's like that's amazing and he's like a total goofball so I could totally see him and his buds doing it like mid-30s so you know it's a relatable prank <laughs> it is <laughs> in a very unrelatable way right <laughs> 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 All right, so we're going to talk about the pig prank without giving too much away. Okay, so, gonna, you might have to remind me if I start going too deep because I get excited talking about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so this beautiful prank starts out in the gentleman's club, right? Yep. All right, so tell us a little bit about the club because they don't belong to whites, right? The high society yeah, so Whites was kind of like the uppity up, the best club. And then Brooks is the club where my characters all go to, which a gentleman's club back then is not what a gentleman's club is now. <laughs> where guys go to hang out, gamble, drink, talk. Women are just not allowed. Right. So they, my group of friends are in Brooks and Bradbury comes up with an idea to play a prank on the uppity ups who technically in a way blackballed them from Brent being in White's Gentleman's Club. Right. Because they don't have titles basically. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. They're kind of stuck up well, in a way. <laughs> well, I mean Northcott does, but he his title is kind of shrouded in this mystery but I'll right. go into depth about without because I don't want to ruin anything <laughs> shrouded in mystery yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be uncovered in book two yes okay <laughs> <clears throat> and then in the book Bradbury makes this bet without really consulting with Emerson yes but Emerson is very much part of this bet Yes, so it's so funny to me that it's like, oh yeah, I I put us in a bet, and you now have to do this with me. <laughs> yes, so kind of Emerson's backstory is he was a total goofball like Bradbury, but then his dad suddenly gets ill and dies, and so Emerson becomes the man of the house, and instead of trying to hold on to himself he loses himself in responsibility so when emerson suggests they play tag bradbury takes that as my friend is back so he goes to the club and does what they used to do and pull gets a, a prank a, a wager going right and the bets kind of go crazy like everyone is placing bets on this yes this prank mm-hmm Okay. Nobody thinks they can pull it off. And Bradbury is just seeing dollar signs. <laughs> right. And it's kept a mystery for like half of the book. Yeah. Well, it's... there's little details sprinkled in, but you don't know the full <clears throat> extent until the day of the prank. 
Right. So I loved this part. <clears throat> so um, Emerson is like not game when he first hears about this bet, like wants nothing to really do with it. Mm-hmm. And he kind of to make amends, I feel like with Bradbury, he just like throws a receipt for this pig. Everyone is like, I have the pig. <laughs> and I love when it shows up at the house. Yeah. Like, his mom's like, there's a live pig downstairs in the kitchen. You would knock it down. He's like, oh, no, don't worry, mom. I got it under control. Yeah. <laughs> don't worry about the pig. <laughs> yes, his mom's like, are we going to be pig farmers now? And he's like, no, don't worry. I mean, I, I wish I probably should have been like, had him t- say it's just Bradbury. And then his mom would have been like, oh, okay. But. but I love that it's even like a mystery for her. Like she has no clue. Mm-hmm. So it makes me feel a little bit better as a reader. That's like, all right, she doesn't know what's going on. Like, <laughs> Gentleman things. <laughs> right. But I love that, like, you just kind of get those, like, sprinkles of, like, this, like, you hear that, like, more bets are being placed. Or, and, like, Emerson kind of starts to doubt if they can really pull this off when he finds out that it has to do with whites and. So, like, the bets go up more. And so I just feel like it, like, is anticipation within, like, this anticipation in the novel. Mm-hmm. That it's like, oh, are they going to be able to do it? <laughs> <laughs> it, gets, it gets down to the wire, we'll say. <laughs> it does. I had my doubts. I was like, there is no way they're going to pull this off. <laughs> like, no way. This is not going to work. <laughs> Especially when it's, like, broad daylight. And it's like, all right, this is the plan. I'm like, what? Like, why would you wait for nighttime or something? <laughs> but, you know. I would tell, I would say why, but then I'd spoil something, so I won't answer. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so, <clears throat> your big prank. Where did you get the idea for this beautiful masterpiece of a prank? <laughs> <laughs> well, so while I was researching gentlemen's clubs, when I was first thinking of this book, I stumbled upon a a man from history called Bo Brummel, and he's kind of known as like the first dandy. Um, Pretty much, he's just like a fashionista. He just (laughs) runs. You know, I don't. I'm not fashionable. I wear t-shirts every day. Fashionista (laughs) of the Regency. Yes, fashionista of the Regency. So anyways, he is, or he was really good friends with the Prince Regent for a good time. And then they had a falling out. And there is this story that at one party or another, he is talking to another Lord and the Prince Regent is standing next to that one Lord. And Beau Brummel said, ask the Lord, who's your fat friend? So pretty much right in front of the Prince Regent, he calls him fat and acts like he doesn't know him. And so (laughs) I just thought that was the coolest thing ever. And I was like, people need to know about this. This is awesome. So fat friend equals pig, pig (laughs) into the, into the gentleman's club where Bo Brummel resides. And it just snowballed into that. (laughs) Pretty much I invented the prank just so I could put that one little part of history inside that book. (laughs) I love it. Wouldn't you love to, like, know, like, have been a fly on the wall in that, like, historical moment? Like, oh, yeah. Like, were there other people around? What did the prince say in your turn? Like, did the guy get slapped? Like, <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's like, dude, that could be, like, treason. 
Just... Right? Like you're insulting mm-hmm. like your prince. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One day king, like <laughs> come on. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And then um with that, you have some background with pigs and pig demeanors. Yeah, about that <laughs> to make this believable. <laughs> I grew up on a farm. You had pigs and cows and geese and ducks and chickens. So pigs. A lot of people don't know that pigs actually don't like being dirty. They like to be in tight spaces, which mud holes create tight, warm spaces. Mm. You can't get to some hay, so. When I first pitched the, or when I first sent this to my editor, my publisher, they were like, would a pig really do this? And I'm like, oh yeah, the pig would <laughs> love this. This would be the pig's life. Like we, I used to hold my pigs at my, and my farm. Like they, they love to be held. They, they like to be tight and warm and clean. It's just not everybody knows that. <laughs> no, it's like you see the giant fat pigs laying mm-hmm. in the mud and that's their life that's what they do (laughs) so it is a believable prank it it is a believable prank they're really like I mean you'd have to be a total goof to want to do it there's a lot of people who are too serious in life and probably couldn't do it but (laughs) I would like to attempt just to see if I could really do it (laughs) right (laughs) maybe not execute fully but get up to the doorstep be like you know, this is plausible, guys. <laughs> In the name of research for gentry. Right. Totally. <laughs> I did not for research sake do anything with a pig, but I just knew that it could be done. <laughs> Life experience. <laughs> Perfect. All right. I have one more question for you. Okay. But before that, let's talk about our little giveaway for our readers I thought we would hide it so people have to listen to the full full episode to get the details here so Gentry is kindly donated um an audiobook and a paperback copy of games in a ballroom for one of our lovely listeners so on the 18th I'm going to put a post on Instagram and on Facebook account on my accounts Um, So my account is under Honeycomb Stories, and I will put a post up um, that you will enter to win on. So to actually enter, you're going to leave a review um, here on Spotify or on Apple Podcasts. Um, You can just leave the five-star rating or leave a comment, whatever you want to do, and then hop over to Instagram and put done with a pig emoji. We yes, love the pig. If you don't have a pig emoji, you do it, not qualify. It does not count. <laughs> the pig has to be there. <laughs> okay, and then the giveaway will end May 31st, so almost two full weeks. And then I will announce the winner on Instagram and on Facebook. And then private message the winner for their information. So... We will do that. So make sure you hop on. Oh, yeah. You give us a rating and then hop on over to Instagram on the 18th and enter to win one of those amazing prizes that have been generously donated for us. (laughs) Happy to do it. I'm excited for you. This will be fun. 
Yes, I'm so excited. <laughs> and it's amazing, but everybody needs it. <laughs> right, totally. Yeah. And okay. I, even if you just ask your library for a copy of it, I love library copies. Okay, I did not know until like six months ago that you could request for your library to buy books. Yeah, I like, I didn't know that until I became an author too. <laughs> it's like, why don't people know this? That like, it doesn't have to be like whatever they happen to buy. Like you mm-hmm. can actually have a say in what your public library has to offer. Yeah. That's, that's kind of amazing. So. It's very yeah. handy when you're poor. <laughs> right? <laughs> I remember I went and got my first library card and I was like 17 and my sister was with me and like, like you're not 18. You have to have someone to like sign with you. I'm like, it's a library card. <laughs> <laughs> so my sister, my, co- <laughs> my sister co-signed on my library card. <laughs> it's like, thank you. <laughs> uh, but yes, that is a good thing too. You can always always request and a lot of libraries have like a reservation list for books too yes which I did not know about until like six months ago so I learned a lot about libraries in the last few months Gendry I'm telling you (laughs) well yeah and then if you have like the Libby app you can do the audiobook version and I mean I feel like libraries nowadays buy more audiobook versions than they do paperback versions so right I can't do audiobooks because I get too distracted by everything else around me so I have to like (laughs) Stay in focus. <laughs> I used to be that way, but then I started doing audiobooks when I do big projects, and I find the projects go by a lot faster. <laughs> right? I feel like it's a trained thing. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the more you listen to it, like the more you can multitask. Yes. But even like if I clean and I have music on, like I end up just dancing and singing instead of doing my cleaning. So you know, <laughs> maybe I'm just not born to listen to music. <laughs> listen to something and do other things (laughs) I don't multitask in those areas (laughs) okay I have two more questions for you okay so we're gonna do my not so fun one that I have to ask because I'm dying to know first oh nice okay okay Olivia's dad Mr. Joshua Wild himself yes I hate him. <laughs> Good. He's the villain. <laughs> right? Job like, done. Check. <laughs> I just like the whole book. I was like, I need him to like disappear forever. <laughs> like I need him to get called on a voyage. I need like the estate to catch fire. Like I need <laughs> something to happen for him to just disappear. Like <laughs> indefinitely. <laughs> All right. So let's talk. Let's talk about Joshua here. Okay. So what? What made you decide that he was going to be your villain, one of your villains? Yeah, one of my villains. There's a sneaky villain in there, too. Right, and I hate him just as much. Okay, (laughs) maybe not just as much, but my hate for him burns still. (laughs) So where did you get the idea? How did you know he was going to be your villain? Well, I pretty much... I mean, it's kind of sad to say, but it's very easy to make a male a villain in the Regency era because women didn't have very many rights and it all belonged to the man who owned them pretty much. Right. Well, and she doesn't, I feel like it's kind of important to know, I guess, that she is not titled. Yeah. She's like, 
Joshua Wild is a shipping merchant owner, and he's just made it. He he made it rich during the Napoleonic Wars. So right, and has kind of like weaselled himself into favor with members of the ten. Yes, because during the wars with Napoleon, everybody was overtaxed, and weather had ruined crops, and everybody like money was gold was scarce. So it like it was really. If you didn't adjust with the times, you had a high potential of going broke. And a lot of the aristocracy in my book is going broke and going to Joshua mm-hmm. Wild to refill their coffers. So it just, he owned the people, but the people like could barely stand him. But they had to because he was the, he was keeping them out of debtor's prison pretty much. Right. Like he's not a well-loved character by anybody. Like yeah, nobody, nobody likes, likes him. <laughs> Which says a lot about this man. But yeah, but he doesn't care. (laughs) Right. Okay. So I felt like people need to understand. It's not like he's like some titled man that doesn't care what people think. Like he cares very much like what society wants. Yeah. I just, you know, I just, I can't handle him. Yeah. He's, he's, he's the opposite of Emerson's fiery temper. He is pure fire temper. And so I was kind of playing with that too, where Olivia has lives with her dad, who is this way. And then there's Emerson who's has a temp has like a fiery response sometimes, but not to the full extent that her dad has. Yes. And her mom is like, so sweet. Yes, her mom. You just like your heart breaks for her. Like Mm -hmm. it's like I need him to go away and fast, and then he's just there the whole book. Like he doesn't go away, and I just needed him to disappear for forever. He he may or may not (laughs) be in the next next couple. (laughs) You know, and I'm just my hate for him is just gonna grow. (laughs) I just. Maybe like boo, like <laughs> maybe he should travel to America in search of some great opportunity. <laughs> they have shipping ports there; he could go there, right? Maybe his ship just doesn't make it across the ocean. You know, that might be okay. <laughs> All right. So when you write the villain or this pure evil man. Do you feel like those characters are harder to write than, like, your, I don't know, your Olivia's and your Arabella's that are just pure goodness? (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) I don't know. What does this say about me? No, like, that one was way easier than, like, a sweet-tempered Olivia. And, I mean, Arabella is kind of a firecracker, so she wasn't too hard. I love Arabella. (laughs) yeah she but like mrs latham i had to delete a lot i'm not mrs latham that's emerson's mom olivia's mom i had to delete a lot because i would get her being too vocal and she she can't be that way with the husband that she has or she wouldn't right (laughs) we don't hear very much from her like a lot even when she's like physically in the room it's almost like we don't see her either like yeah everything she does is to maneuver around her husband's temper to save them in social standings pretty much yeah it's it's intense Mm -hmm. i just 
All right. So evil characters are easier to write. Yeah. Evil characters, sassy characters, (laughs) blunt characters, so much easier to write than the sweet thing. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and he's just like, like, it's not like Disney evil where it's like, so like, almost a joke of evil. You know what I mean? It's just like, you absolutely loathe. It's like Professor Umbridge loading. <laughs> well, I think that is the best compliment ever. <laughs> That's my new comparison. <laughs> that like you just are like every second you see them, it's like, oh, I just hate you so much. And that hate just like grows and boils. And it's like, I just need you to disappear for forever. <laughs> like, I can't handle you anymore. <laughs> so he's the Professor Umbridge of he is, he is the male Professor Umbridge. <laughs> yes, definitely. <laughs> All right. Let's move on to a happier character for our last question. All right. My favorite, my secret favorite character, Miss Arabella. So Arabella <laughs> is Emerson's younger sister. Correct. Who happens to be best friends with Olivia. Yes. She, Olivia is the sweet, I mean, Olivia is a little spunky, but Arabella, you just never know what's going to come out of her mouth. And her poor mom does not know what to do with her. And I love it so much. <laughs> I don't think anybody knows what to do with her. <laughs> like, and I love that it's not that like she's not like inappropriate or like too weird. headstrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just like she's totally just like herself and she does not care. She yeah, she's like, just very she's very good natured and like compassionate and like but if if she sees that you need to be like defended she is like there without a thought for herself or anybody else (laughs) right which I feel that like Olivia totally needs and Emerson needs like in a big way like she's such a good like crutch for them at times Mm -hmm. that it's she's that friend that kind of everybody needs at the moment that it's like you got this like always going to be in your corner rooting for you well yeah and I with her I kind of broke one of those trope rules where if your brother falls in love with your best friend I don't know I probably won't go into detail because I don't want to ruin it but (laughs) like I feel like I broke a rule where like it wasn't the normal reaction of when a sibling falls in love with a friend I love that it's not the normal reaction. Like, I love that it was just like, hmm, okay. <laughs> like, all right, Arabella's really not, like, and she used, ruffled by anything. Right? And she used Shakespeare to tell them that, right? <laughs> yes, we have to talk about Shakespeare. Here we go. Arabella is the ma- self-proclaimed master of Shakespeare over here. <laughs> Shakespeare is always the answer. Shakespeare is always the answer. Yeah. You Even ever... if you don't need poison or magic. Yeah. Or <laughs> identities, you know, there is always a way to get out of out of or into something through Shakespeare. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And her and Olivia have this unspoken game that they've played for years. Mm-hmm. It seems like. And randomly in conversations, Arabella will say like a quote. Right. And it's in my brain, her voice like changes a little bit. <laughs> like, I don't know. I could say like a dandified man's voice, you know, like we all do for like 
where he just, I don't know, Mr. Darcy. <laughs> the lovely boiled potato. <laughs> I could see it. I could see it. <laughs> That's where my brain goes. I love it. <laughs> um, But Olivia always catches it. Like, so it's this game of like, not only can she like recognize that it's like, there's a Shakespeare quote in there, but like how much of it and where it's from. Yep. It's kind of their version of like quoting movies. That's like something that me and my friends always do is quote movies, but they didn't have movies in Regency era, but they had Shakespeare. So it's kind of my twist, my Regency twist on friends who quote movies. Yes. And I love it because it's like me and my sister talk movie quotes all the time. And so I love that it's like that. Like, you can relate, not specifically to Shakespeare. Yeah, you, <laughs> don't, like... you don't have to be a Shakespeare scholar to get it, but. <laughs> yes, but I love that game. I think mm-hmm. it's so fun that it's like, oh, other people do that too. Or like, it establishes like how long they've been friends that like. Yeah, they have their own little secrets. Yes, like the secret little game they play and. I love it. I love yes. it so and, much. And Olivia needs it. Olivia needs little fun in her life because yes. her dad is just out of control. He's a nincompoop. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right. To close here, you have leaked a few times yeah. about the second book. <laughs> what can you tell us about book number two? what are you Uh, allowed to tell us (laughs) i'm trying to think what am i allowed to say well it follows characters from this book (laughs) one of the background characters is getting their own novel possibly two i have an idea i i will message you later (laughs) i can neither confirm nor deny Yeah, so uh, um, this, well, the next book takes place like directly after this one. So I got a lot of heat on this one because I didn't have an epilogue. Right. So I was like, there's got to be a second one if there's no epilogue in here. I took a good beating on that part, but I I felt like I couldn't do one or I would ruin the next story. Right. That makes sense if it picks up like directly yeah. after. It takes it takes up like directly after. So you're not missing anything. And like Emerson and Olivia are like back in this book too. So you kind of get to see their epilogue just in an entire book's length. <gasps> I love it. Yeah. Okay. That makes me happy. All right. When are we going to see it? This year, next year, two years? Um, I just got the email from my publisher and they say, uh, 2024. <gasps> okay. So we don't have that long. It's forever and ever oh. and ever, but yes, it's not that long. <laughs> like early 2024, like six months. I, I, I don't <laughs> want to say because if I say it, I'll jinx it and I'll get bumped again. So. Before Christmas next year. Before Christmas of 2024. <laughs> Okay, so we don't have to wait till New Year's Eve, guys. So, you know. (laughs) Just bear with me, I promise. (laughs) It's coming. It's done. Okay, and then do you have a title for this series? I know you probably don't have a set title for the book yet. 
but do you know what you're going to name the series? Um, well, or... I've kind of just named it. I don't know if my publisher will. <laughs> like, I just what call it the Brooks follow? Brotherhood series because it follows, it follows all three of the guy friends. Apparently, I lean heavily into writing stories about guys than girls in Regency times. I love it. I mean, I write, I write dual point of view, but I feel like I was way more focused on the guys. I love reading the guy, the guys' points of view because it's just not like, I mean, I know that you're a woman and you're writing your yeah. point of view, but it's like, <laughs> it's just interesting to think of like what the man that might've been thinking and where women don't have the power and like, mm-hmm. they didn't make the house calls like the girl's point of view is kind of like and we sat and stitched today and waited for people to show up exactly (laughs) no offense to anybody out there i wanted to get out of the parlor and get into the gentleman's club so yes into the pig prank yep (laughs) (laughs) okay so we're following one of the brooks brothers so either northcott or bradbury is getting a book yep and the horrible joshua wilde will be in there he he will have a few mentions, yes. All right, and we'll we'll see Emerson and Olivia. We will see Emerson and Olivia. Yep. Okay. All right. If that's all you can share with us, then we will take it. I'm so excited! I cannot wait for a release date. It's gonna go on my calendar. <laughs> Me Pre-order. too. I'm dying. I've I've like known about this forever, and I want to talk to people about it so bad. <laughs> <laughs> that's the hardest part of being an author. It is so hard. <laughs> So Do you hard. share with your husband and you're like, this is confidential. You cannot tell anybody. <laughs> I, I think I overshare with my husband. He's like, honey, I know we've had this conversation. I'm like, I got to talk to somebody. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all the questions I have for you tonight. But I will for sure bring you back for book number two next year sometime when it comes back around (laughs) i would love that beautiful (laughs) (laughs) hey thank you so much for chatting with me gentry i've loved learning all of the things about our brooks brotherhood i'm gonna call them that now unofficial name you guys that's the unofficial name yeah (laughs) (laughs) hey thank you so much for chatting with me and i will talk to you later Sounds good. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Anytime. (laughs) Thank you for joining Gentry and I today as we talked about her book, Games in a Ballroom. I hope you had as much fun listening as we did talking about this novel. And please tune back in on June 1st for episode two of Book Talk.